You're listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. This is a chronological Bible study going chapter by chapter, discovering Christ in all of Scripture. This is Leviticus chapter 23, verses 1 and 2, the feasts of the Lord. For the people of Israel, life revolved around worship. How different from our nation and time. Even Christmas and Easter are nominal at best, focused more on family, friends, and food, and secularized for commercial benefit. Some go to church only on those days, being called C&D Christians. This chapter reminds the Israelites of the special feasts the Lord prescribed for the nation. These are the days that are sacred to the Lord. After the weekly Sabbath, they are described in order of the calendar. All of these feasts did not require the gathering of the whole nation in every case, only three required that all males gather in Jerusalem, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, or Passover, the Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Tabernacles. These were the pilgrimage festivals. These joyous celebrations would serve to unite the new nation socially and religiously. They were not paid holidays as we have. There was a cost involved. They could do no work. The message was clear. Worship took priority. Verse 3, the weekly Sabbath. First they are reminded of the Sabbath. There are six days when you may work, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, a day of sacred assembly. You are not to do any work. Wherever you live, it is a Sabbath to the Lord. This applied to all, regardless of where they lived. The reason for this ordinance goes back to creation. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. It is a blessed day, and we are blessed by it. In Deuteronomy 5.15, he also links its observance back to their exodus from Egypt. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. He created it for our good. We need to rest from our work. We need to focus on God and be thankful. The word Sabbath means to rest. And this idea of resting is included in some of the other festivals as well. The weekly Sabbath and the seventh year Sabbath for the land and the 50th year Jubilee, when debts were cancelled and slaves were set free, all reminded them of their dependence on God and checked greed and self-reliance. Verses 4 through 8, the Passover and Feast of Unleavened Bread. Three events were celebrated in the spring, the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the Feast of Firstfruits. The first two were related to God's deliverance of Israel from Egypt. The Feast of Unleavened Bread would remind them of the haste involved in leaving as well as the associated hardships. For seven days they were to eat bread made without yeast. It was celebrated on the 14th day of the first month at twilight, which was when they came out of Egypt. This festival lasted a week, and sacrifices were associated with it. They were to do no regular work. More details about Passover were studied in Exodus 12. Verses 9-14, through 14, the Feast of First Fruits. Although they are not yet in the Promised Land, and no central location within it is chosen, God anticipates that day, because He knows He will make it happen. This new festival dedicated the initial part of the barley harvest in spring. 
On the day following the second Sabbath of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, they would bring a sheaf of grain. This represented consecration of the whole harvest to God. Included with it were burnt offerings, grain offerings, and drink offerings. This was to be a lasting ordinance. It was an expression of gratitude for his provision. They were also to bring the first fruits of their crops to the house of the Lord. First fruits implies not just the first of their crops, but the best. It anticipated the rest of the harvest to come. God received his part first, then the people. God should be first in everything. We should thank him first before we eat our meals. We should look to him first before we begin our days or any endeavor. Verses 15 through 21, the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost. The day after that Sabbath, they were to count off seven full weeks. This was sometimes called the Feast of Weeks or Feast of Harvest, and later it was called Pentecost. It occurred 50 days after the Passover. Included in this was a presentation of two loaves of bread and seven lambs, a young bull and two rams. Verse 22, Care of the Poor. In Leviticus 19, 9 and 10, we saw that God expected the Israelites to leave the edges of their crops for the poor and for strangers. Here it is repeated, along with the feasts, because those who are truly aware of the mercy and grace of God on their lives will not give grudgingly. Verses 23 to 25, the Feast of Trumpets. On the first day of the seventh month, the Israelites were to hold a sacred assembly commemorated with trumpet blasts. They were to rest, as on the Sabbath, and do no regular work, but present a food offering to the Lord. This was setting the entire month apart, because in it they would celebrate the Day of Atonement and the Feast of Tabernacles. Verses 26 to 32, the Day of Atonement. Then on the tenth day of this seventh month is the Day of Atonement. We studied it in chapter 16, so we won't go over it again, except to point out that three times in this section, God tells them to deny themselves on penalty of being cut off, and three times they are reminded to do no work, because atonement is being made for them, or on their behalf, by the high priest. Those are two significant features of this most sacred day, which represented forgiveness and cleansing for the priests, the nation, and the tabernacle. Verses 33 to 43, the Feast of Tabernacles. This week-long feast, which began on the 15th day of the seventh month and corresponded to our September-October, commemorated God's deliverance from Egypt and his protection and provision of Israel during the wilderness wanderings. It is also known as the Feast of Booths because it involved making temporary shelters out of tree limbs to live in for a week to remind them of the suffering of their forebears. As with all the festivals, they were commanded to do no regular work but to present offerings and gifts. It was the closing special assembly of the year. It occurred after they had gathered the crops and rejoiced in the harvest given by God. The first and eighth days were days of rest. They were to use branches from leafy trees like palms and willows. It was a time of rejoicing and was to be a lasting ordinance for generations to come. Deuteronomy 16, 13-17 reminds them to be joyful. The Day of Atonement is a somber holiday, while this one emphasizes joy because of God's blessing on them. 
all native-born Israelites were to live in such shelters for a week, so they could explain to their descendants that the early Israelites also lived in temporary shelters when he brought them out of Egypt. Verse 44, Moses passes on the message. As a faithful mediator, Moses announced all these appointed festivals of the Lord to the Israelites. These offerings were in addition to the regular offerings and gifts they were already required to bring. Even when we are asked to do more, we must still do the least. Other non-Mosaic festivals in Scripture. Later, they would add Purim, a two-day festival instituted by Queen Esther during the captivity to Persia. It celebrated the Jews' deliverance from slaughter at the hands of Haman. The other was Hanukkah, or Festival of Lights, instituted during the intertestamental period to celebrate deliverance during the Maccabean Revolt in 165-164 BC under Antiochus Epiphanes. It rededicated the temple, which had been defiled when Antiochus Epiphanes sacrificed a pig on the altar. Jesus celebrated this feast in John 10. It was called the Festival of Dedication at that time. Scarlet Threads So what scarlet threads or hints of Jesus Christ or the Gospel do we find in this chapter? All the feast, feasts were designed for our good and His glory and demonstrated their dependence on God's provision. They learned that worship was to take priority in the life of the nation. Jesus said, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. We no longer celebrate these feasts, but we have an even greater reason to worship, be thankful, and rejoice. Jesus kept the Sabbath because he was fulfilling the law on our behalf. God created it for our good, for rest and refreshment. We need to rest from our work. We need to focus on him and be thankful. Because Jesus came, we are now in the time of Sabbath rest to which it pointed. We do not attempt to work for our salvation, but rest in his finished work on our behalf. It also points forward to our ultimate rest in heaven. God made the Sabbath for people. Jesus spoke about how God gave the Sabbath for us so we can rest and glorify God, but people had turned it into a burden. He said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath represented our rest from trying to work to earn our salvation. In the Old Covenant, breaking the Sabbath was punishable by death. We are no longer under any of the penalties and curses of the law because Christ took our curse on himself when he hung on the cross. We'll examine the change from Sabbath to Lord's Day another time. This is the only one of the Ten Commandments that does not continue into the New Covenant. It was the only ceremonial law among the other moral laws. Nowhere in the New Testament are Christians required to keep the Sabbath nor is Sabbath-breaking included in any of the lists of sins. Romans 144 4-6 says it is a matter of preference similar to the choice to eat meat. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall. 
and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another, another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. In fact, Colossians 2.16.17 nullifies this law. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. The Sabbath was a sign of the whole Mosaic Covenant, as the rainbow was a sign of the covenant God made with Noah, and circumcision the sign of the covenant God made with Abraham. The Passover was to be celebrated yearly to remind them of their redemption from slavery and their exodus from Egypt. It not only reflects the Passover, but Jesus as our Passover lamb, who was killed on our behalf and whose blood protects us from the wrath of God. To see the over 30 ways Jesus is pictured in the Passover, refer to the podcast on Exodus 12. The Passover was a remembrance meal recalling their redemption. When we partake of the Lord's Supper, we remember the cost of our redemption. The Feast of Unleavened Bread pointed to Jesus' sinlessness. They were to bring their first fruits to God. We are to give God our first and best. It pointed forward to Jesus' resurrection, which occurred on the day after the Sabbath, as this feast did. Jesus was the first fruit from the dead, and we will follow after, being given glorified resurrection bodies like his own. At Pentecost, or Feast of Weeks, they were to wave two loaves of bread. In 1 Corinthians 10:16 and 17, Paul speaks of the elements of the Lord's Supper and reminds them that two loaves were made of one lump of dough, just as Jews and Gentiles have the same root. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. And in Romans 11:16 he says, If the part of the dough offered as firstfruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. The Feast of Weeks, or Pentecost, followed 50 days after the Passover and pictured the outpouring of the Spirit of Christ, which occurred 50 days after Jesus was crucified on Passover. This also occurred on the day after the Sabbath, or the Lord's Day. The Feast of Trumpets points forward to a future date when Christ returns and gathers all his people at the sound of a trumpet. Also, Isaiah compares preaching to the blowing of a trumpet. The Day of Atonement pictured the substitutionary sacrificial death of Christ, the injunctions to rest and deny oneself on the Day of Atonement, because atonement is being made on their behalf, are a beautiful picture of the Gospel, where we feel our unworthiness and sinfulness, and repent and rest in the finished work of Christ on our behalf. On the Feast of Tabernacles, they were to remember what believers in other generations endured and relate to them and learn from their experiences. We read the scriptures, Old and New Testaments, because they were all written for our instructions. 
To live in a booth or tent would remind them of their pilgrimage and the temporary nature of our lives in this world, which is still the case with us. Jesus tabernacled or made his dwelling with us temporarily. You've been listening to the Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and comment. Continue listening for Leviticus chapter 24. May God bless the study of his word.